Welcome to the latest edition of the Progress with Unity podcast. I'm joining the studio tonight with Barry. How are you doing? Yeah, fine, thanks. Adam, how are you doing? Yeah, been an enjoyable few days. Excellent. And Thorpe, how's things? Yeah, not so bad. So we're just going to look back to the game against Blackpool midweek at the DW Stadium. Pretty even possession-wise, but that's probably the only thing that was even on the night. Blackpool had three times our shots on goal with 21. Eight of them on target to our two. Corners, pretty even. Fouls, 11 to 10. And only the one yellow for the Latics was Dariqua. The results, well, if you don't know the result by now, you must have been living under a rock. It finished Wigan Athletic, nil. Blackpool, five. Barry, let's come to you for the goal reaction. I think the most disappointing were the two quick goals just before half-time. I think a more experienced side would have conceded that first goal and just shut up shop. They wouldn't have carried on as open as we were. We got caught again. Uh, so we got caught twice there just before half-time and that, that was a real body blow. And Liam Richardson spoke about that afterwards as well, saying that was his big disappointment for the evening. And also, I've, I was extremely disappointed with the last two goals. Well, I'm not going to that. I don't like criticising players because of the situation we're in. And, you know, they're all heroes. <laughs> we know what they've been through this, this year. But they were two poor goals at the end. The other one, uh, a cracking move, the, uh, the the one I've missed out, just after half-time that weren't it? it was a great move. Yeah, disappointing. Five five goals conceded. What more can you say, really? Adam Gardner was a sub last night, Dan Gardner. Do you think he was missed? Well, we've, I think on that left-hand side over the last few weeks, um, Gardner's linked up really well with Pierce. He's kind of been the one who's played the clever passes through to Pierce overlapping. Um, you know, he, he's a player who hasn't played a lot of football in the last few years. So I wouldn't I wouldn't have had, you know, I wouldn't criticise Richardson for putting him on the bench. I think it's just unfortunate at the moment that, you know, we don't necessarily have that strength in depth to be able to put somebody in who can do the same job as Gardner's been doing. I think really it was... Um, Zach Clough, who was kind of playing that role, wasn't he? But didn't didn't play any role. He's just way off way off the pace at the moment. And I'm not criticising him because when Gardner first came in, he was way off the pace and, and he's picked it up. So we are where we are. You know, we're having to play players who are off the pace at the moment. And, yeah. uh, and, and I think it says a lot for Gardner what he's done over the last um, 10 matches with us, really, to say... We're now talking about him being missed, whereas early on in the season, people were saying he wasn't up to much. So I think that's um, well played to Gardner. Was it a big difference in the game? No, it wasn't the big difference in the game. So, Paul, I'm going I'm to jump into you. Looking at the results on, on a whole, and with the, the amount of players that Blackpool had out, obviously they had the, the, the preferred partnership up front, um, and obviously Maxwell in net. How... Disappointing, is it not? And obviously, it's disappointing not to get the three points. But in the grand scheme of things, it's an opportunity lost there, isn't it, to get three points? Yeah, I think. I think for me, looking at the at the goals that we conceded, um, you know, there was a, a couple that were headers where the challenge didn't really come in. Um, there's one where the ball's free in the box. Blackpool player gets to it first. For me, it's, it, it just smacked of being tired, be that mentally, physically, or a combination of a bit of both. Yeah, it's, it, 
it is an opportunity missed. You know, you can't you can't argue with that at all. It's um, interesting what you say about um, tired players as well, because obviously the games are thick and fast. I know we've had a period where we we didn't play games for a couple of weeks, but you know, we're saying that the players may be tired now. We're going into you know two games a week coming up. We're unfortunate that we haven't got the ability to rotate a squad, have we? Because we're limited to a 23-man squad. And we're obviously limited to the players that we have actually got as well. So where's the break going to be, really? Well, I I just wanted to come in on that about the Blackpool team and whether it was a missed opportunity. That When I looked at their team, I think it probably still had a lot more experience in the games that they've actually played than ours. And, And I believe they only made two or three changes from the side that that lost to Brighton on uh, Saturday, uh, 2-1. So, I mean, maybe they can have seven or eight first-team players eh, and still feel the feel the strong side, whereas if we have seven or eight players, we're basically playing our under-14s. Yeah, there was, there was a few of those uh, Blackpool players who played last night and who played on Saturday weren't first-team regulars because they've been hit with, got injuries out and... The three three main players out through COVID, including the goalkeeper, he's out as well. We just looked tired last night. It was it was one of the, we've got got this all season, haven't we? We're we're playing games where we need to rest one or two players because they've not played this number of games in this space of time before, and we've not got the opportunity to do so because we've no squad. Our squad is is a first eleven now with two or three under twenty threes who can make the step up, and, and that's about it. Yeah, I mean, you look at you look at Johnston. When you play a first game, when you've been out for a while, the adrenaline carries you through, doesn't it? And then the second and third games after you after you come back are the ones that get tough. Right, should we? End, I, I want to gloss over Blackpool quickly because uh, there's no point in dwelling on a on a poor result. Barry, I just want to come to you to give us a, a bit of a positivity from the the Blackpool game. Probably the only uh, bit of positivity with Callum Lang. If you want to talk through. Uh, talk through his uh, effort. Yeah, fantastic effort, I thought, from Lang when he picked the ball up uh, midway between the halfway and the 18-yard box. Went on an amazing run straight through the middle. At the end of it, he, he was in the box in the penalty area and he had three three players around him. Uh, he still managed to get a shot away, which the keeper made a full length full length out to his left to tip it around the post. It was a great, great effort and deserved a goal. Fantastic move. Yeah, I'll just throw one piece of positivity in. Um, sadly, I can't, I, I don't know who to credit for this um, because I saw it on Twitter, the feed refreshed and I couldn't find it again. Um, but somebody made the point that with the um, extending the contract of Adam Long and the refusal of a bid for Kyle Joseph, it felt like we were building a team again instead of destroying one for the first time in, in quite a long time. And I looked at that and it really sort of chimed in me and I thought, yeah, it does. Good. Get this deal left, out, boy. Still a few days left, yeah, in the transfer window. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it, it just, on the night, when you, you get in tonked and you see that, you think, yeah, actually, there are some signs there, aren't there? I think um, for, for the hat-trick of positivities to uh, positive things to come out of the Blackpool game was the name-check of uh, a certain Mr Worthington, and his ref watch, which was used by Guy Clark during the uh, the coverage. Barry, you've made it. Well, you know, I, I'm a fan of keeping my eye on the refs. I think uh, we need to, you know, we, we need to 
know who we're com- coming up against every week as much as the opposition because uh, they do influence the game. So, uh, yeah, I've got to know the referees over the past few years and I've got a, an interesting one for this evening Excellent. as well. Well, we're coming to that uh, very shortly. But first of all, Paul just alluded to it. Adam Long has signed a new contract to the end of 2023, which is good news. And like you said, it's, you know, it's some positivity towards rebuilding um, a team. We've also had a couple of ins and outs. Well, one out and a potential another out in. Uh, Johnston has come in at centre-back along with Clough and Whelan. They've both, all three have featured and performed pretty well. You can see that there's some rust in the legs, but as, as Adam said with Zach Clough, he's, he's not quite up to speed just yet, but we know what calibre of player he can be. Charlie Jolly has made his way to Tranmere, and I, I saw on Facebook that a Tranmere fan asked what kind of player they were getting with Charlie Jolly, and one of our panellists, uh, Mr Pendlebury gave a gave a pretty honest reaction and um, you know uh, feedback on Jolly, didn't you, Adam? I think he's demonstrated, obviously, going up through the youth ranks, that he's he's a good player. You know, he he, he scored a lot of goals um, in the under 18s a couple of years ago, and he's rewarded with that uh, substitute appearance in that last home game against Millwall. I think it was where he came on a sub in under Paul Cook. Uh, and then he's floated around the 23s. He was probably a, on paper ahead of Kyle Joseph going into this season. And he, I guess he scored those couple of goals against Liverpool. It's, it's a difficult one. I've only seen him in a few, I've seen him in a few friendlies, uh, pre-season friendlies uh, and the odd first team game. It looks, looks okay to me, uh, but maybe at this stage of his career now, it'll do him good to play more first team football and, I think Joseph has just gone gone ahead of him. He's a good player, Jolly, but I'm I'm not sure whether he's one of our cream of the crop, you know, in terms of uh, in terms of that age group. But wishing the best of luck, really, you know. And you know, a young player if he plays league games for for a club, we've done a good job with him. You know, if he gets a league career, whatever level, we've done a good job in our academy. So yeah. good, good luck to him. There's, there's a rumour circulating that uh, Funso King Ojo uh, of Aberdeen has been linked with the Latics. He's been left down to the Aberdeen squad to play, uh, I think they believe they're playing at the time of recording. Uh, defensive midfielder, uh, spent his time uh, since 2019 in Scotland, but has played for Scunthorpe, Willem II um, and a few other clubs. Belgian defensive midfielder, you'd, you'd feel that would be for a Perry or Merry position, wouldn't it, in that defensive midfield? Bit of experience at the age of 29. Um, has anyone got any memories of playing against him? Or have you seen anything on the telly of him? No. Um, I've never, sorry, I've never heard of him. And I mean, I heard, I've heard of him, obviously, in the rumours, but I hadn't heard of him before then. No, so it's it's one of those. The, the signs that have come in, the lads, you know, they're coming in doing a job and we've got to work with what we've got in front of us at the moment, haven't we? Uh, lastly, Barry, I'm going to I'm going to open this one up, and then I'm going to come into you after it. Barnsley last week had a substantial uh, uh, a substantial offer rejected for Kyle Joseph, and then have put a reported bidding of five hundred thousand pounds for Kyle Joseph. Now we spoke earlier, Barry. When you speak about um, substantial offers, you're thinking at least a million pounds plus for somebody the likes of Kyle Joseph. 
So if they're coming in with a bit of a £500,000 now, what was the bid prior? Yeah, I, I thought that was a bit of a shot, really. Substantial bid, I, I, I assume, would be somewhere between half a million and a million, as reported by Alan Nixon. Obviously, it weren't. It was somewhere between 30 bob and a guinea. They can't come back in with a guaranteed a guaranteed half a million. Well, I hope they are going to guarantee they're going to pay, pay a transfer if they're making an offer. Barnsley, uh, you know, coming in again. I suppose in the end, they probably want us to pay the half a million, as you know, if it was accepted. Or they'd take us uh, to the tribunal to try and get us to pay it. Uh, I'd tell them stick it up the Jaxes. Uh, Carl Joseph, better player than, than going there. Would he want to go? That'd be my biggest question. Would he, at this stage of his career and at this stage of his contract with Wigan Athletic, would he not be better seeing the season out, wait until the summer and see what offers come in if he wants to indeed move on? You know, he can pick and choose where he goes then and he'll get obviously a bigger signing on fee and uh, a bigger wage because they, they don't have to pay anything for him. Seeing that he turned down Spurs in the summer, I can't see him accepting you know, to go to Barnsley and not be the main striker and perhaps sitting on the bench. I, I, think, he, I think he'd turn it down anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think the only... I guess the only thing is when you think of it from a, a financial perspective and the fact that it's a career, if there is an offer of a three-year contract on the table and guaranteed money, you just... The only the only thing that can stand in his way, I guess, from having a top, uh, earning a decent amount of money, I guess, is if he gets an injury. That's the only the only thing is if he gets a serious injury. And you know we've seen we see, we have seen quite a lot of players over the years that get an injury young and never recover from it. It's unlikely to happen, but it's whether you him and his agent whether they take the risk uh, because if he gets through this season unscathed, then he's either going to get um, if we've got owners in, he's going to get a good contract offer with Wigan, or he's a free agent. Uh, well, some compensation will be due, but relatively cheap. Um, and um, you know, he will then be able to command a much bigger wage. So I guess it's a stick or twist for him and his agent, really, isn't it? Um, and I'd like to think that he's enjoying his football, he's enjoying playing, and he sticks. Well, that's the end of uh, the transfer rumours as far as I'm aware. I've not heard anything else. Um, so should we go on to another rumour that has been flying around, reported by Alan Nixon of a newspaper. Uh, that's a, the, the bidders that are with the EFL are from Bahrain. Barry, have you, uh, you done any due diligence, any research at all? Anything you can share with us? I've had a quick look around, see what I could find out. Not really, no. Uh, if he's what he's saying is true, that they are a, a group from Bahrain. There's a couple of groups, shall we say, who are linked to football clubs around the world. One of them being the Bahraini royal family, and there is another group as well, which uh, I can't recall off the top of my head. I, I didn't write it down when I found them. But I've been to Bahrain, so I know what it's like. It's a rich country. It's a small island. Very, very rich. They've got a lot of wealth there, so. They might come with a bit of cash behind them. Who knows? Who knows? There was reports back in September, uh, a group had pulled out uh, because of some adverse publicity over on Twitter. And it's been noted that these were, could possibly have been them. And that's why everything's all shush at the moment. Whether it is or not, I have no idea. Yeah, and it's interesting, obviously, that's, that's come out through a journalist, hasn't it, uh, who's reported about the bid today. 
Right then, so after takeover, uh, we move on to Northampton away. Barry, who's the man in the middle? We have Mark Edwards. If his name rings a bell, that's because this is the second time this season he's refereed us. He refereed us against Accrington Stanway in our 4-3 victory at the DW Stadium. He's a 32-year-old Geordie. His game so far this season, 17 with 41 yellows, one red, and he's awarded three penalties. Mark Edwards. And our guest fan this week is... Yeah, we've got uh, this this a very brave Northampton fan, not like the Fleetwood fan, uh, Charles Cummins. Um, he's on Twitter at Cobblers to Me, at Cobblers to Me. Uh, so we'll just have a little listen to what he has to say about the big match on Saturday. We've gone through a bit of a roller coaster, I think, as a set of fans with regards to the way we think about Keith Curl. Sometimes we we kind of give him credit for the fact that he got us promoted last season and that he's essentially enabled us to to kick on probably about a year earlier than I think anybody at the club was really expecting to. But then we'll go and have some terrible results. Um, just before Christmas, we lost 2-1 away at Crewe and then lost 4-0 at home to Lincoln before going to Oxford and, and losing again 4-0. I think at that point, even I was starting to question whether it was time to maybe hire a new manager. So I think as a fan base, we've all kind of gone from one way to the other with with Keith and the team uh, this season. But it does look like he's made some decent, some decent acquisitions in the January transfer window so far. So it should be a pretty good um, second half of the season, hopefully. Star player, I'm going to have to go with Sean McWilliams. Uh, he's a youth product that came through, well, what now? Maybe about five years ago, he broke into the first team squad. Uh, he's still only 22 years old, but he looks like he has been playing football in his prime now for maybe uh, the whole season. It's just a ridiculous just change of fortunes for us whenever he's in the side. He's a combative midfielder, um, sits at the base of the midfield and he loves to tackle and he tackles really well. He will chase down the ball, he will hunt down in a player that has the ball and he will harry and hassle them until they give up the ball. Uh, He did get sent off uh, not so long ago, um, straight red card for mm, not the worst tackle I've ever seen, but I can see why he got given the red card for it, his studs were showing. Um, and I think he went in around the back or maybe through the side of the player, and that's the reason. But he's the the player that really gets us motoring. And if he has a good game, which he tends to every single match, then you'll be in for a tough afternoon. Which four teams are going down? That's such a hard question. Um, uh, Wimbledon, uh, Burton... Uh, Swindon and somebody else. I don't know. I'm not 100% sure. Wigan. There you go. Sorry, guys. Uh, Favourite memory against Wigan? I don't really... There aren't really that many memories of playing against Wigan, if I'm being honest. I remember playing you, I think it was the last day of the season, and we were 
at the DW or JJB as it would have been back then. And I think we lost 3-0, but we stayed up because of, I think it was Colchester went down instead. And, and we stayed up on, you know, goal difference or something like that. And so we celebrated at the end of the match in the stand that is um, where the scoreboard is. And we were celebrating a 3-0 defeat because we'd stayed up. That's probably the only memory of Wigan as a Northampton fan that is worth remembering. Prediction for Saturday. You've had a terrible result last night, getting hammered. That means one of two things is going to happen, in my opinion. Either you're going to have a massive reaction to that and bounce back and, and play really, really well, or that's the real beginning of the end for you. I'm going to hope that it's the beginning of the end and I'm going to go with a 2-0 Cobblers win. Goals from Danny Rose and I think our brand new signing from Portsmouth, Uncle Bryn Morris, is going to get a screamer from about 25 yards out. Um, I don't really want you guys to go down quite like Wigan. I know I live just around the corner in Warrington, so it's a great, easy trip for the away games if and when we're allowed back in i'd love to be playing you again next season in league one so apart from saturday good luck for the rest of the season yeah i thought that was uh he seems quite confident um in the cobblers that they're going to pick up a win against us he's gone for a two nil although he's not 100 sure how we're going to react he is a bit worried that we're going to have a uh, you know, a positive reaction to our defeat on uh, on Tuesday. But nice of him to wish us luck for the rest of the season after we've actually played then. Because he said he only he comes from Warrington, so when we get back to watching games again, he wants us in the same division. But I've I've got a feeling it might be us or them who might go down. So <laughs> in any respect, uh, interesting that he's predicted three the three sides he thinks are definitely going down in Swindon. Wimbledon and Burton and then he just threw Wigan in at the end because he couldn't think of anyone else so maybe that's a positive <laughs> to an extent Well previously we've played Northampton 36 times we've won 18 drawn 12 and lost 6 the last defeat at Northampton was on the 24th of Feb 2001 it was a 1-0 defeat we hadn't conceded against them in 8 games that's 720 minutes until our 3-2 defeat at the DW on Halloween they're the lowest scorers in the league with 20 from 23 games, scored once in the last four. And they've got three players on four goals, Sam Hoskins, Harry Smith and Danny Rose. Barry, do you think there'll be any uh, changes to formation? Uh, will it be as open on Saturday? Uh, yeah, just going back to uh, to our guest, though, I mean, he's coming in with a 2-0 as though for them there'll be some sort of goal fest. Like Sam has just mentioned, 20 goals in 23 games they've scored. They don't score any goals. Since New Year, one goal since New Year, there's no way they're going to score two goals against us. I'll, I'll stake my hat on it. Do I think there'll be a change in formation? I think there might be, actually, because one thing I picked up from the Blackpool game, we were, we were wide open in midfield. We were wide open. Uh, there was a massive gap between... It was it was like a square with a, with a soft soft centre, and I think we might try to plug that gap. We're bringing somebody an extra midfield player in, like a, a central midfield player, 
if it's this this guy who's coming from Aberdeen, he might get a start there. What does anybody else think about that? I think last night, when you when you're a bit leggy, I think you get found out when you've got two in midfield because those two have got to do some running because um, they're the only really two what you'd class as orthodox central midfield players in Perry and Merry. I can't see Clough starting to be honest as it stands at the moment. I think they might bring Gardner back in because I think Gardner's better defensively. Uh, if there is a if if the new player does come in in holding midfield, then one of them might stand down. I think a Merry or a Perry might stand down. I'd probably say Perry because I think Merry is slightly better defensively, um, just to make us a bit more solid uh, in the and then. The other question is, what do you do? Do you give Joseph a little rest and put Lang central because he looked quite good central? Give Joseph maybe a bit of a bit of a go on the bench just for just for a game and maybe bring a Crankshaw or a, an Asgard in possibly uh, just to just to freshen it up because I think Lang looked better when he was more central for me. I, I, I don't really like him when he's out wide. I don't think he's as, as good out wide. Whereas if he's up front, he battles hard. So. I think there's a scope for two or three changes, but obviously, as Barry said earlier, we don't really have much of a squad, so there's not that much we can do, we can do with our squad, really, at, at the moment. I think the back four is pretty nailed on because we don't have anybody else. So, uh, what, what's your uh, score prediction? I'll go for... Um, actually, I'll go for a Lassix win. 1-0. One 1-0, nil. One nil, Adam? We, we, we've got bounce-back ability, haven't we? So, I'm going to go for... A 3 0 win. Ooh. 3 3 2 win. Well, we've got three interesting games coming up. We've got Northampton, who are uh, three places above us. We've got Swindon, who are just above us. And then we've got Wimbledon, who are two places above us. How crucial are those three games going to be, Barry? Oh, they could even define our season, couldn't they? I mean, if we can get some. Two positive results in, uh, out of those, we could, you know, move up the table significantly. I mean, I don't. We, we we could get those three undefeated if we take two wins and a draw. That, that'd be an absolutely brilliant return, whichever way we did it. And um, I think it's pivotal, you know, to our season, like I've just said. And if we get out of that bottom four, there's a good chance that we stay out of it as well. It gives you that confidence and belief then to to go on. And we've seen. In recent weeks, that we can put some sort of a little run together. So, yeah, I can't say how important. I think forget the Blackpool game. These three are, are, are what matters, these three games coming up. I think this is probably the first stage of the season where you know actually saying that the games are starting to matter in terms of final table position um, because we're playing the sides around us. And very interestingly, probably... There may be five or six sides now who are around us who are really the ones who you think are going to be there at the end of the season. None of them are really in in good form. You know, you've got your Burtons, your Swindons, your Wimbledons, your Bristol Rovers, even to an extent your you know your MK Dons, who I don't see going down because I thought they have a, they look good to me when we played them. But you never know; you can easily get dragged into it. I think it's vital that we start the three games off well on Saturday against Northampton. If we can get that first win in there, it might even get us out of the bottom three, uh, bottom four. And then in that situation, you then 
can take your points. If you get a point at the others, it wouldn't be that bad. If we start off with a defeat, then it's big pressure football because we'd have to, in my view, if we lose on Saturday, I think we've got to win the next two after that. So I think Saturday is pivotal for where we're going to be over the course of the next um, the the next three games, and then obviously moving forward, where we're going to be for the rest rest of the season. We're at a really crucial stage at the moment. Paul, anything you'd like to add? Um, yeah, I, I, you've just really got to stay in the mix and competitive, haven't you? You know, like getting a tonking against Blackpool. If you re- if you follow that that up with a win, it's dead easy to forget about it because you just write it off. Um, and you've just got to stay in the right right frame of mind and the right um, in in touch. And like I say a couple of wins, and and suddenly you you, you look at a completely different table. Yeah, so has anyone got anything else they'd like to add before we wrap up tonight's or this week's podcast? I had I had one thing. I've uh, been having a debate about this um, yesterday with my cousin John, uh, who's been on the podcast. Um, the pitch, I can see us at the moment winning more games away from home because that pitch for us is terrible because the way we want to play we can't play like that with that pitch. So I think I think having a run of away games, which slightly better pitch, I'm not saying they're going to be great, but that, that pitch is as bad as it's been in a long, long time. And we know why it's like that. But unfortunately, the way we're set up, the way our academy trained, the way our first team, tra- uh, the way our first team have been taught how to play, it's pretty poor, isn't it? It's just not helping us at all. Um, you sometimes wonder, is there a way that we can play more direct at home? Do we need to maybe find a way that we need to be more direct? Because there's no pace on the ball when you're passing it, is there? It sticks. It's sticking all the time. You know, we we, we can't play that nice football that, we, that we've played in some other games um, away from home. You know, so for me, I'm worried about the home matches and there's nothing we can do about it until we get some money, is there? No, and get some more grass down. We need some grass. We need to get on the grass. That's what we need. Get on the grass. Get them back on the grass. Well, that's back the thing. On. We get them back on the grass in training and then it confuses them because there's no grass on the pitch when they get to the main match. <laughs> no. <laughs> there was something I wanted to mention too, as, if you don't mind, Simon. How good is our academy setup? Wednesday, our under-23s, what's left of them, because majority are playing for the first team, only went to the top of the league, Nottingham Forest, and came away with a 2-1 win. Whoever comes in and buys this club absolutely 100% needs to keep that academy structure exactly like it is because it's delivering. Spot on. Yep. Spot absolutely. On. There's nothing, I mean, brilliant, absolutely superb, but you've pretty much summed it all up there. The fact that we've got players playing way above their age level in that 23s. I, I didn't see the team lineup, but I suspect the likes of Carragher player. I don't know. I've not seen seen the team. Yeah, but I'm just saying that those players who, in a normal season, will be playing under. I know we've no under 18s at the moment. It's just been suspended, hasn't it? Under 18s, but even so, you know, players like that. How many games did Joseph play for the 23s? I don't think he played that many last season, and he's he's a shining light. You know, this year most of our 18s have had to step up. That gives it Birmingham, where we had to play pretty much the under 18s in a 23s, and we beat them. So I think they've just been absolutely fantastic. Credit to the entire setup and going back in time, credit to Roberto Martinez for and Jonathan Jackson for 
recognising where the future was. Um, yeah. That is, our, that is our future now. That Absolutely. Is it's just a shame that our poker playing owner folded what was a winning hand. So if there's nothing else that we want to add in, it's uh, goodbye from me. Goodbye from us. Goodbye, everybody, and we'll see you on Sunday. Up the six.